Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. Hello again. Uh, Monica Jean here, In the Weeds. And today we're um, talking about some conservation practices that uh, a, a local county is doing with the Nature Conservancy. We're excited to dive in a little bit about what those practices are. So I'm going to have people go around and introduce themselves. Sarah, do you want to get us started? Sure. I'm Sarah Franzak. I am an environmental management educator out of Hillsdale County for Michigan State University Extension, and I cover the whole state. Hello, I'm Randy Dell. I'm the Agriculture Program Director for the Nature Conservancy in Michigan. And I'm Brian Wendling, the Saginaw County Public Works Commissioner, which is uh, equivalent to the Drain Commissioner in most counties. Okay. Thank you for coming in and talking with us. Is this your guys' like, first podcast recording? Number two. For Number two. Oh, okay. Well, you're well. <laughs> Seasoned veteran. I'm yeah, first you first should be me. just doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get it right started. So it has been quite the year. This is 2019. Um, it's been a wet one, to say the least. I think we started with a wet spring. We're hoping to round it out with a longer fall and maybe not so wet, but that did not even pan out for most of our farms. Um, and so when we talk about drainage concerns, you know, farmers are relying heavily that their drains would be working with this rainfall. And as our rainfall becomes more intense about how they're functioning is always a concern. So when it comes to water infiltration, how can farmers help? So there's a a few different things that they can do to to help us out. Um, You know, obviously, uh, soil erosion, sedimentation into the drains is one of our big concerns. One of the um, biggest issues that we deal with, contend with on an annual basis. So the idea of you know keeping those sediments out of the drain, minimizing the amount of maintenance that future maintenance that needs to be done to them, uh, allowing water to flow better, you know, as as it should, is really one of the biggest issues. You know, I know there's a lot of farming practices out there, and, and certainly not my area of ex- expertise, but seeing an awful lot of it this year as a result of the rain and wet season and with cover crops and. Uh, those types of things filter strips uh, being the one that we or buffer strips that we are working on here in this particular program are uh, are big um, you know we've been able to create numbers scientifically create numbers in terms of how much sediment we can keep out of the drains with just minimal buffer strips so um, <clears throat> uh, good farming practices obviously are big but this we're, we're really excited about this program and buffer strips and, and what it can do for the drains or the whole drainage district as a whole. Yeah, Can you describe then what that program looks like and the relationships you guys are forming? Sure, I can start. So a few years ago, the Nature Conservancy pulled together a group of researchers, engineers, drain officials, and to figure out where do we have common interest in drain management. So we know we're getting more precipitation events, more intense and what we found is that we all have pretty common interest to keep sediments out of drains, as Brian mentioned. You know, there's environmental benefits from that, obviously keeping sediment out of waterways, keeping the nutrients out of the, the waterways and the aquatic ecosystems. Um, farmers want to keep soil in their fields. And for drain commissioners, that's less work they have to do, less expense that has to be passed on to their constituents. It's a win-win-win. So we pursued a grant. We got a conservation innovation grant from the USDA in 2017. Uh, we were one of seven in the conservation finance category. 
And the idea was, how could we use drain assessments or drain taxes to capture and quantify the benefit to the drains from putting these buffers in place, doing a pilot, which we tested out with Bryan in Saginaw County and also in Gratiot County, and working with the Michigan Farm Bureau to help educate landowners and farmers about the opportunity, get their interest in buy-in, and then working with some local partners, um, an engineering firm called Spicer Group, and an attorney, uh, uh, Stacy Hissong, from Fahey Schultz and Versage Roads. And how has it been going? <laughs> I should also mention there were a couple other partners, too, that were instrumental in this. So it's been a, a two years. We're in, entering about year two. And um, in addition to Brian, we also had drain commissioners in Monroe County, David Thompson, mm. and uh, Evan Pratt in Washtenaw County, helping tell us what's real, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and, and fixing it and improving the program along the way. So I heard two main counties, but a couple more counties in there that have kind of advised a little is this going to be something for the whole state or right now we're just pretty like we're in those main counties? No, I think the goal is for this to be uh, available and hopefully used throughout the entire state. Um, we had, uh, um, as Randy mentioned, just a few counties that were involved with the, uh, the grant and the, in, in establishing and putting the program together. Um, more of an advisory group, I guess, if you will, in, in, in determining what's going to be the best approach and how to go about this. Um, and, uh, you know, once that was done recently, we, the group of us then have, have traveled the state and, and, and done three different educational programs for all of our counterparts across the state, um, showing them what we've put together, what we've done, what we anticipate, how it's worked so far, um, with the hopes that uh, they'll grasp the concept and, and start implementing the practices when, within their county as well. Yeah, cool program. Yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about the actual, you know, nuts and bolts of the program? Uh, like, what, what are, we're installing filter strips, but how, how is that working for a farmer? Like, if I was a farmer, what would you tell me about this? Uh, so there's a few things. So with the, with the project, so there's a pilot that we conducted in Saginaw and Gratiot County, so implementing it, testing it out as it went in. But the work was really developing tools to help it make it easier for drain commissioners and their offices to implement buffer strips in this program that we talked about. So how it uh, worked is that there's, without getting kind of the engineering, there's engineering equations to quantify the sediment reduction benefits that Brian talked about, incorporating that into their, to their drain assessments. And then there's a series of landowner meetings that Brian and his staff have with landowners in the community. And in the pilot, again, Michigan Farm Bureau was instrumental partner in this. And, meeting with their members, their county board members, telling them about the opportunity, getting the message out there. And we had a really positive response. A lot of counties wanted to participate, but we wanted to work through all the bumps in the program before we were ready to roll it out. Some of those bumps included, there's a contract, a legal contract between the drain commissioner and the farmer landowner, but make sure that that was workable for all parties and feasible and um, defensible uh, ultimately over time. Uh, we had to get the engineering and the science correct. And then the, the outreach process, there was some back and forth, and, and Brian can talk more about that. We met with a lot of landowners, um, a lot of farmers out there. And really, the, the concept behind it, the cell behind it, is keeping a sediment out of the drain. How can we minimize uh, our future drain maintenance, minimize the expense to those particular landowners in the, in the drainage district, um, as well as um, some added benefits of ensuring the water flows properly. Uh, as Randy mentioned, the added bonus here, although it wasn't really our target, was uh, keeping the nutrients and uh, other things like that out of the drain and, and keeping it in the field where 
landowners. We want it to be, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So the concept here was to incentivize those landowners into allowing us to occupy some certain amount of acreage within within their farms and their properties. Uh, Many of them uh, were already good stewards and practices in place with other programs, FSA, or you know, whatever it may have been. I think we're all well aware of the fact that many of those have gone away. We were seeing results of that with the, the conditions of our drains and recognized the benefits of having those out there. Um, so when Randy came along with this concept, we, we jumped at it and said, hey, this is a great opportunity. So the idea and concept behind it is, uh, in exchange for use of this land through an agreement, we as, uh, as drain commissioners will or can then provide uh, a, a break in the assessment that the landowner would receive for the, any work being done on the drain. You know, unfortunately, we, we probably can't, in all cases, get to a similar level of what a, you know, a row crop might be. Mm-hmm. But uh, in many cases, we're getting very close. We're also finding through many of our conversations that uh, many of these landowners want to do the right thing. They really are good stewards out there. They recognize the fact that uh, drainage is important and keeping the sediment out of the drain <clears throat> only benefits their farm as a whole, you know, provides them better crops. When we're looking at much, much smaller pieces of, of ground to occupy, you know, down to you know, 10, 12, 15 foot area as opposed to what many of the other programs are at 100, 150 foot, it's, it, we're finding it's much more appealing to them. Um, and. Uh, although, again, it, does, it may not always match what a crop might produce, they're seeing the long-term benefits mm-hmm. in it, again, and just uh, the feel-good of doing the right thing. So if a farmer has a 50-foot buffer strip already there, a filter strip already in place, he can apply for that program, correct? For our program? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's one of the, that's one of the key designs of the project. Um, so initially we focused just on buffers, and we think the approach and the tools are, we can adapt them to other practices, but as a starting point, we want to do one practice. Buffers are well-known, they're easy to establish, easy to monitor, so we focused on those. And if you're a landowner and you're, you already have a buffer in place, either voluntarily on your own, out of your own expense, if you're enrolled in an EQIP program, an FSA program, CREP, CRP, you're eligible for the reduction through this program. So we don't, you can double dip. Um, we want to recognize you know, the good stewards. You're providing the benefit to the drain. That's the most important thing yeah. from our concerns. So you get you're eligible for the. Do I get reduction. credit? Would would the farmer get credit for the entire 50 feet or just 10 or 20 feet of it? So it'll depend on the county. So how the program is designed, it like so. There's this kind of this spreadsheet in the background, and we can however big your buffer is, the soil type and all that it accounts for for those variables. And a previous study that one of our partners did at Spicer Group and the Kakalkin Watershed found that majority of your sediment reduction occurs in that first 10 feet of the buffer. About mm-hmm. 70% of the sediment reduction occurs there. So as you extend beyond 10 feet, you get more reduction, but it's diminishing returns. So we do recognize if a landowner wants to put in a 50-foot, they could potentially get credit for that, but it's really up to the county to determine what is their minimum width requirement. I think we initially looked at 10, but 15 might be uh, you know, most suitable. And there's other benefits, too, from having that buffer in place. Uh, Brian can talk about you know, some of the maintenance uh, access and things like that that drain commissioners can benefit from. Yeah, to kind of add on to what Randy just said there, uh, you know, they may have a program in place right now that's 100 feet. Uh, and uh, 
depending on what their contract is or agreement there, that may only be in place or maybe, you know, maybe their contract is another five years. Uh, what we're looking at, um, our program runs through the term of whatever the uh, bond repayment would be for the drain work that was being done. Uh, so we could be out there 10, 15, 20 years. So uh, the agreement can vary. Uh, we can certainly do the entire 50 or 100 feet, whatever they may have, but now they're obligated to keeping that in place through the term of the bond repayment. Knowing that their program is ending, they may want to narrow that up to 15 or 20 feet with us, um, at which point in time when their other contract's expired, they can remove what they want, leave the 10 or 15 feet or whatever it, whatever it was we agreed to, um, and just leave that in place and then uh, go back to farming uh, you know, other part. the other part that was removed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what's neat about this program is that we're extremely flexible. And as Randy said, now each county is probably going to operate a little bit differently, and that's going to be up to each, each commissioner out there and, and you know, what it is that they want. Each a particular drain could be different than the next based on uh, the, maybe the soil types or uh, the surrounding areas, the terrain, you know, the elevations. That, that, that was really my main goal and focus uh, when we were working through this is it needs to be simple, uh, not only from the standpoint of my office, but for the landowners. They don't need anything complicated. And it needs to be extremely flexible because every project out there is going to be slightly different. Yeah. Besides the management practice of the strips, was there any other ones you guys are considering or implementing? or? Well, there's a whole process that narrowed us down to just buffer filter strips. Okay. So we looked at 40 different practices initially in field, edge of field practices, mm -hmm. and we winnowed that down to about eight. And then just for, you know, kind of the ease of administration, ease of quantifying the benefit, familiarity with the practice, the group, you know, the drain commissioners, Farm Bureau, TNC, uh, we thought buffer filter strips were probably the easiest and best practice to test out first. Okay. All right. But we do plan, again, to work into other practices, and that's something we're mm -hmm. going to look at in 2020. Yeah, I would think cover crops would be probably one of the one of the other practices I would consider on a field if I was reducing uh, sedimentation. Yeah. I love cover no, there's lots of other lots of things that we talked about as Randy said, you know, different grass spillways, detention basins, um, tile work, um, you, I mean there's mm -hmm. anything out there's uh, and that's what's again that's what's neat about it. the sky's the limit really. Um, yeah, and saturated buffers would be really interesting to see. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it just it was just an awful lot to try to mm -hmm. get your arms around at one time. And we said, let's, right. so we just pared it down. And there. even with, you know, cover crops, you can get really spotty plantings when you're first starting. With filter strips, in my experience, sometimes they're difficult to install depending on how wet the ground is near the, the stream. Because you're putting in, sometimes you're putting in um, grasses that don't necessarily like wet feet. Mm -hmm. um, so do you guys anticipate any of those difficulties? Or how are you dealing with, like, um, making sure that it's installed correctly? So that was a, an issue that had a fair amount of discussion and how, how were we gonna handle that? And some of that comes back to where it's installed. My approach on this particular pilot and based on how it went will probably be my approach going forward on future projects is I'll give credit for any filter strip out there on any waterway that's part of the drainage district. It doesn't have to be adjacent or alongside the drain. It can be a private uh, ditch, it can be an egg ditch, it can be a roadside ditch, um, anywhere that's going to remove sediment from the drain or help 
remove sediment to the drain to me is worthy of consideration. That leads us into how do you install and, and go about that. We as drain commissioners only have jurisdiction within the right-of-way of the county drain. I can't be you know, a mile away on a roadside ditch or a private ditch doing work. So that's where the agreement comes into play in terms of how these are going to be planted, who's going to plant them. We don't get overly concerned about the seed mix. Uh, there's some restrictions there, but pretty minimal. Those along the private ditches, roadside ditches and whatnot, as a general rule, are going to have to be planted by the landowner and installed by the landowner. Um, just because, again, because the drainage district uh, just doesn't have jurisdiction to be there um, and expending any monies or funds. And all that equipment, right? Yeah, and all that equipment yeah. as well. That'd be the next piece of it. Now, what I, the approach that I've taken, if it's alongside the drain or adjacent to the drain, we're there working on the drain anyway. We're already seeding the ditch, the ditch banks. It's really not a big deal to do anything additional within, as long as it's within the right-of-way, which will vary from you know, sometimes 30 to 60 feet. Project I did, I just included it as part of the project, so there's no additional cost there to the landowner. It just made sense. It was minimal, easier to manage. We knew it was installed. We knew it was installed that we wanted. And um, you know, as you see in the pictures, we're fortunate. Uh, the wet year helped us out in that particular case. We got yeah. some good growth. I was actually going to ask because you did show me a picture of one of them. If you could like describe how it went and like how it looks. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, it looks really, really well. I mean, again, it uh, this type of work is generally done in the summer and drier months, so getting vegetation growth is very difficult at times. In this particular year, it was quite wet, as, as everybody's well aware, and, and as a result, we got some very good growth. It, it looks, looked pretty tall. It did, in just a matter of a few months' time, we had three-foot grasses out there. Um, you using, like, a fescue mix? I have an exact mix for you. It's just what we call our ditch bank mix. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. really nothing special to it. I'd like to feed it to some cattle. That's what I was thinking when I looked at it. But that's fine. Um, well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, those are those have been some of the discussions. Yeah. Is it harvestable or can it be? And, and the answer is yes. I mean, we're really very flexible in terms of what goes out there. We've talked with different groups, uh, Pheasants Forever. We've talked with some pollinator groups. Um, there's all kinds of options here, I think. It's good to have options because uh, what, what our weather is like and what the year is like is so variant from year to year that options for farmers is critical. Yes. So that's so. great that you guys, sounds like you've really taken that to heart and, you know, designed this to try to, try to really maximize, like, flexibility. So Well, one of, one of the things that we found in talking with, with the landowners out there is the primary focus, again, is keeping set up another drain. Beyond that, everybody's got their own thoughts and ideas and pet projects and things that they like. Some is feeding cattle, some, <laughs> yeah. some is watching butterflies. I grew up on a beef farm, <laughs> so I really feel like you should feed them. <laughs> That's all I do. Um, so it, it has the op opportunity to, you know, kind of fit everybody's needs and wants and desires. Uh, you know, like the, the Pheasants Forever group uh, had some, some level of interest in providing habitat for wildlife. Again, so many different options, and, and you can, it can vary from one farm or property to the next. That's what's yeah. really nice about it. So if I want to learn more about some of your pilot projects, where would I go to find that out? So we're in the process of building a website with all the materials, um, FAQs for landowners, the engineering tools, uh, the presentations we've given. Um, but in the interim, if you'd like to email me, uh, Randy Dell, it's rdell, D-E-L-L, -L, 
at tnc.org. I'd be happy to share any materials, answer any questions people might have about the project. Like Farmer Dell, right? The Farmer and the Dell, yes. There's one thing I'd like to add that I didn't touch on uh, that's been a real added benefit to the drains or the drainage district when these are put in is that uh, one of the biggest issues we face as drain commissioners um, in maintaining a drain is we have a really, really short window of opportunity to go in and do that with heavy equipment. Spring is wet. We can't get in there without tearing things up. By the time it dries out, the crops are in. We don't want to be in there damaging and running over top of crops. It's just, just not the right thing to do unless we absolutely have to for an emergency situation. Crops come off. About the time crops come off, it's hunting season. Yeah. And that's the last place we need to be. And, and, and frankly, not wanted out there at that time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, winter's not an ideal time for doing drain work. So what we were finding is, is a huge, huge benefit to us and again to the drainage district is the opportunity to be able to get in there at any time of the year now when we've got this filter strip there that we can go in, do our drain maintenance, get back out, <clears throat> and not disturb hunting season, not disturb crops. Uh, we can pick drier times of the year. All kinds of wins to this. It's just really working out well. So that 15 feet is enough space for you guys? to do your thing, whatever you need to do for that. 15 feet is adequate to do maintenance work. Uh, we can do some vegetation control, we can do some sediment removal, uh, we can repair tile, we can do those types of things. Uh, if we're doing, clearly if we're doing a full-blown drain project, that's a little different, but in, in that case, landowners would be given all kinds of notice and we'd have public meetings and you know there would be advance notice of yeah. plantings. Uh, all too often, we can't get in there and by the time the opportunity does present itself what was minor is now much Major. bigger yeah and uh, th this is just going to save I think the drainage districts a, a tremendous amount of money over time you know and I think not only <coughs> that there's benefits to the drain commissioners there's benefits um, but there's so many benefits by controlling like uh, phosphorus in the stream by not allowing that sediment to get loose right um, so overall <coughs> watershed wise it's a great yeah. Great idea, right? Absolutely. So buffers, um, I'm a big buffer fan. And in Michigan, I mean, Western Lake Erie gets a lot of attention for the issues going on there. But, I mean, we have issues like that all across the state. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the best estimate of buffer strips in the Great Lakes region is from 2003 to 2006. The USDA, the, the SEEP, the Conservation Effects Assessment Program, was an, an attempt to estimate implementation of practices across the region. And at that time, 2006, it was about 12% across the Great Lakes. So that's before commodity prices went up. That's before some of the crop challenges we've had in Michigan. So buffers are probably not very common. And I think some of our survey work with drain commissioners uh, confirms that. But I mean, some of the, the voluntary modeling uh, work out of the U of M Water Center indicates we're going to need buffers treating about 50% of row crop acres in order to see kind of 40% nutrient reductions to mm. reduce algal blooms in Lake Erie. So, you know, the programs are out there that are great, but, you know, other programs like this that have a little bit more flexibility can complement and stack, you know, those other programs um, we hope can help move the needle and get more buffers on the landscape. Cool. Well, I love to hear of projects that involve the community and are a benefit to the community, you know. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's really great. So how a landowner would benefit from this is that they would indicate, first of all, the drain commissioner would offer the program in their, their drain. There'd be an announcement. There's going to be a petition project. Um, they would sign up, participate in the program. And how they benefit is that they'd get a one-time reduction or modification of their drain bill or drain assessment. 
And this is designed to account for different size drains, different size properties, um, different compositions between rural and, and residential. And the numbers are pretty favorable. Um, so it's a one-time reduction, but over that 10 years on a per acre basis of the filter strip installed, um, it, it's pretty comparable to CRP and some of the other cost share programs out there. Okay. Um, I think Michigan, we have a real opportunity here to show how programs, flexible voluntary programs like this can work. So we have partnership between Farm Bureau, Nature Conservancy, Drain Commissioners working for a common interest here to develop a flexible, unique program. So in other states, like in Minnesota and Ohio, where they've had mandatory buffer requirements, they haven't worked very well. There's been a lot of pushback. By having all these partners together at the table in Michigan, I think we can really kind of lead the way and demonstrate for the rest of the country how we can create flexible, voluntary conservation programs. It's our opinion, too. We think that Michigan can be the leader in conservation programs and working with farmers. Yeah, we need to be. We have a lot of beautiful water we want to keep beautiful. We have a lot to lose and we have a lot to gain. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming here today to my office. This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.